Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. It's kind of fun to make fun of church culture sometimes because we can become so ridiculous in some of the things that we do. And prayer is one of those things that it's it's so much a part of our culture that I think we can just really get numb to what prayer really is. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about it. And the book of James really climbs into this idea of prayer and the importance of prayer. You know, and, and I think of all of the years that I've been a pastor and how many books that I've read about prayer, how many sermons I've heard about prayer, and, and I'm thinking, wow, we've been given all of these resources on prayer, but yet in our own lives, I think all of us would admit that we probably don't pray as much as we should be praying. And there's something inside of us, don't mind all the teachings and books that you've read, there's something inside of us that just we sense that God is calling us in to this communication with him so that he can be more active in our life, but yet if I can speak on behalf of all of us, there's always things that kind of climb into our lives that interrupt that conversation that we are to be having with God, as the Bible says, on an ongoing basis. So I'm going to look at James chapter 5, where it talks about prayer. Father, I thank you ahead of time as we speak about prayer, that you would anoint this message. And I pray, God, if there's kind of been this... Uh, um, apathy that we've allowed in to our relationship with you when it comes to how we're praying, how we're communicating with you, Lord, I pray you would use this message to awaken us to the beautiful, mighty things that you're desiring to unleash, not only in our lives, 
but through our lives to help other people that you've placed around our lives. And we thank you in advance, God, for what you're doing through Atmosphere Church and what you're gonna do today in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read to you, starting at verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? In other words, are there any people here that are going through problems? Anybody this morning? Anyone? Then he must what, church? He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse there. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then he's going to go in to tell us an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So James is saying prayer is effective, so much so that God will use a natural man to do supernatural things. And what I love about this is the thing that separates natural from supernatural is effective prayer. And it's interesting, in the Greek language, that word effective is energeo. We get our word energy from that, that word. And a lot of you know about energy because you drink an energy drink at least once a week, right? I don't know what your favorite one is. Somebody introduced me to Bang uh, a couple of months ago, and that, that's, a, that's a crazy drink. It sounds like it, yeah. Anytime you're drinking a drink that looks like you're opening a bottle of oil, you should probably be careful. Um, that's a different sermon, though. But we, we, we know about energy, and we know, especially for those of you that work out or you, you, you have a job, maybe, that requires you to have a lot of energy, you start sweating a little bit, you know when you're kind of burning some of the energy because your body begins showing signs that it's using energy. But my question to Atmosphere Church this morning as we talk about the subject of prayer is when is the last time that you remember having this prayer time, this conversation with God where you felt like the conversation was kind of making you perspire? It, it was kind of working you up a little bit. Because if we're really honest, I, I think we can come into a place of complacency even with our own walks with God that prayer just becomes a routine thing that we do as a Christian because that's what we're supposed to do. And so we find ourselves like praying over our food and we're not even really present when we're praying over our food. We're just kind of doing it out of routine, out of the idea that this is what we're supposed to do to be a good Christian man or woman. And so we're not really putting any work or energy into these things. And there's a lot of times, if you're like me, there'll be moments that you look at your life and you're like, why am I not getting a breakthrough over this situation in my life? 
And what I believe the Bible spells out to us is that if we want to see the supernatural break through the natural, then it's going to take us learning how to pray effective prayers, prayers that give much energy. And I believe what you see here in the example that James uses with the man Elijah is he was just a regular dude. Even though he did supernatural things for God, James is pointing out here in this letter to the early church, like, hey, James was no different than any of us. He just really believed in God. And he really believed in the power of God. And he really believed when he had a conversation with God, things were being done on earth as they were in heaven. In other words, he really believed when he started talking to God, God was going to get involved in whatever it was that Elijah was going through. I don't know if that really describes how you pray. That when you pray, are you really believing that when you're, when you're having this conversation with God, and really, honestly, if you're new to the church, and you're new to reading the Bible, you're new to your faith in Jesus, really prayer is just a fancy way of saying you're having a conversation with God. Because the way God has wired us is to have relationship with him. I mean, God really put us on this earth. If you study the Bible, the purpose of why we're here is to have a relationship with him. And you know, as I know, that any relationship that you have with somebody is going to involve communication. That you can't really have a good relationship without good communication. Some of you that have been married or, or maybe you used to be married, you know that if you are not communicating well with your spouse, your marriage is not in a good situation. And God, think about it, God has created us to have this relationship with him, and prayer is that conduit where we get to really step into that relationship with him, where he could have just like, hey, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and I'm gonna just have all of these things happen from heaven to earth, but no, he says, no, I want a relationship with my creation, and so what I'm doing is I'm giving them dominion over the earth, and I am partnering with them to allow heaven come to earth. In other words, if heaven is to come to earth, it's, it's gonna take more than just me willing it so. I wanna partner with my creation in this beautiful relationship that I've created so that heaven can come down to earth. And so when we talk about this idea of communicating with God, as we talk about this idea of praying to God, that when you start talking to God, and you start having the conversation with God, and you don't need to talk to God in King James Version in order for him to understand you. I, I, I will say, as we just kind of are here for a moment, that I have had all kinds of uh, examples of, of how to pray and how not to pray in the 20 plus years I've been a pastor. I've been with people that, I mean, their language was like old English, like the King James, like, oh, Lord, if thou loveth me, dearth Lee, and, and I, I've listened to that. But then I've also been around young people, dear God, dude, bro, hey, man, hey, thank you for creating me, bro, dude, guy. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't address God as go, uh, 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 bro, dude, guy. But I, I wouldn't say you have to speak in, in Old English or King James. God just wants your heart. So you talk to God 
Like you would talk to your spouse, like you would talk to your child, like you, were, you would talk to your parent. You, it's an intimate relationship, and God wants you in conversation with him. Elijah, he's praying to God. He's believing God's going to do something, but he knows that sometimes it's not going to take on the first prayer. Elijah understands that there are things in this atmosphere Free will agents at work, not just human beings, but spirits, as we read in the Bible, that as we begin to pray, those free will agents begin to get torn down so that the prayer can take. One of the most eye-opening passages of the Bible that I've ever read in my entire existence as a follower of Jesus was in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel is praying, and he's having this moment with God, and he's frustrated because he's been praying for God to do this deliverance, and he's not getting it. And he's frustrated, just like a lot of us have been frustrated when we're praying for something, and we're not seeing it happen, and we continue to pray, and we don't see it happen. Well, one day, after many, many days of praying, what happens is an angel comes and visits Daniel. And he tells Daniel, he says, I would have been here sooner But the prince of Persia had captured me as I was on my way to bring you this deliverance that you've been praying for. Now, if we didn't have that passage in the Bible, we may never know that as we are praying for things, there is a spiritual war that's going on that we cannot see, and that as we pray and as we earnestly pray, as we effectively pray, as we pray with energy, what we're doing is we are ripping through forces and principalities that are trying to keep you and trying to keep your family from being in the place and the position that God wants you to be at. Just imagine, just like in a wrestling match where, where you're just trying to get through, this guy's on top of you, and you're just like struggling and struggling. Every prayer that you pray, God is saying that you're closer to the breakthrough that he's desiring to give you and to bring for that situation. But a lot of times that breakthrough doesn't come in the first prayer. A lot of times that breakthrough doesn't come on the second prayer. A lot of times that breakthrough doesn't come until the 100th prayer or the 200th prayer. But here is where we're at as a culture. If we don't get it now, we just are over it tomorrow and we're just frustrated and disappointed when God is in heaven going, no, we're so close, but we're so used to Insta everything, Insta Insta oatmeal and and Instagram and and all of these Instas that, that we want it right now and we get frustrated when we're asking God for something and he doesn't deliver like Domino's pizza in 30 minutes or less. And so we give up, and we just think, oh, it wasn't God's will. God's like, no, you just started ripping into the forces and principalities that are really there to stop you from the progress that I want to bring you and your marriage and your family and your finances and all of these areas of your life. If you just persist in prayer, if you just continue to earnestly pray, God can bring rain on the drought, and he can bring drought into the rain if we learn how to pray effectively. What's stopping the natural from the supernatural is super simple to understand. It's prayer. It's, it's you partnering with God, the way God has wired you to be in relationship with him, to let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus even prayed. Jesus put a, 
an emphasis and a priority on prayer. Let me give you a couple of verses you can write down in your notes. Mark chapter one, verse 35. It says, in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. So this was after a night of intense ministry, healings taking place, you know, breakthroughs happening, and Jesus wakes up before the sun is even up, and he's out connecting to the Father. Why? Because Jesus understood that if he is going to have success in his earthly ministry, it's going to involve him partnering with God and letting heaven come to earth through God, not through him, but through God and this special relationship that Jesus had with God. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And so as we look and as we examine Jesus' life, we get kind of a, a peek at, okay, if we want powerful things happening in our life, we, if we want the supernatural to be a part of our life, then we have to look at Jesus' life, study it, and the modeling that he did so that we could say, okay, this is how I need to live my life. I like in 1 Kings chapter 18, we kind of capture what's happening with Elijah's life and this whole encounter that Jesus uh, or that James was talking about. It says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go back seven different times. And so he would pray, send a servant to go look into the sky and see if there was any kind of, of change. And then when no change would happen, he would go back and he would pray again and send his servant back out. Seven different times he did this until finally he saw a cloud as big as his fist. And he says, go tell Ahab the rain is coming. Didn't happen on the first prayer. Didn't happen on the second prayer. It happened on the seventh prayer. And now as you start looking and studying Jesus' teachings about prayer, I like in our devotion, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, such a good gospel to study and learn about Jesus' life. But in Luke chapter 11, I want to just highlight this passage to you this morning as we're kind of talking about prayer. It says, and it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, how would be your name? Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, don't bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. So back in first century times, I mean, that one room houses, the kids are there on a mattress, and dad's there, and he's like, hey, man, if I get up, I'm going to wake everybody up in the house. I can't do that. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend. Yet because of his, what's that word, church? Persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to unpack this for a minute because why are the disciples asking Jesus specifically how to pray? They knew how to pray. They've prayed their entire lives. It was a part of their Jewish custom. They would, matter of fact, pause multiple times during the day to go and do the prayers through their Torah. I mean, prayer was not a new discipline for them. But there was something about Jesus's prayer that was getting them excited to know, like, okay, whatever we've been doing for all of these years as good Jewish boys is not as effective as this guy's prayers. Like he's doing something that is translated into supernatural things happening from his life and it's blessing other people. Like we need to learn the secrets of how to pray from Jesus because like he is at another level. And I love this, that Jesus said, okay, you pray just like you've been praying. But then he goes on to this parable and he starts talking about this guy going to his friend's house and knocking on the door for bread. And a lot of people, when they read that passage, are like, what he what? Like, is, is Jesus saying that God wants us to beg in order to have God get involved with our situations? Is that what Jesus is really saying? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, he, he's given this analogy. And he's saying, even though this is like, like, an evil situation because it you know, involves broken people, how much better is God gonna provide for you? And in other words, that persistence of you going back, there's things happening and God is partnering with you every time you're going in, he's partnering with you even greater so he can tear through those levels and those things that are keeping those promises of God from coming true for your life. He goes on and he mentions this in Luke 18 verse one. Again, he uses uh, another example for prayer. He says, now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. And he uses this example of a widow going to a judge, an unjust judge. And he says, even this unjust judge would give in to the widow because the widow was so persistent. And again, he's using this analogy not to say God wants to hear us nagging and if we nag God long enough, he will give in and give us what we want. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there are so many factors going in to changing the circumstances that we want God to change that it's going to take more than just one time. It's going to take more than just maybe two times. There's going to have to be a persistency and there's going to have to be a tenacity in us that we know God wants to move on our behalf. And that if we know that God wants to move on our behalf and then we know that there may be forces and principalities that are keeping us from having the breakthrough that we know and we believe that God wants to bring into our lives, into our marriages, into our families, and other relationships, then we hold on and we continue to pray until we see something change. Jesus even, in his prayer time, he had to lay hands on people sometimes, not just one time, but a couple times. In Mark chapter eight, let me give you an example. I know I'm talking fast, but I'm smashing all of the prayer teachings that I've ever gotten in 20 years into a 40-minute message, so bear with me. I wish I could 
push somewhere on my body the, the two times speed so I can talk two times about. And they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting on his eyes, kind of weird, and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men for I see them like trees walking around which is awesome for a blind guy. He's like, man, I I see something. I'm just excited. Jesus says, okay. Then again, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So here we see that Jesus prays over this man one time, puts some mud in his eyes. And back then that was more of a medicinal thing that you would do to, to help people who use the dirt and saliva to do that. But the first time wasn't enough for the man to clearly see. Jesus had to lay hands on him a second time. I look at all of this, and it all tells me something, that I've got to learn how to push in my prayer time. I've got to push in my prayer time. I have this little thing that I learned years ago, pray until something happens. Don't you like that? You gotta push sometimes in your prayers and say, ah, that didn't happen. God's answer may be no. Not necessarily. You may be on the verge of having history happen because you've been praying for God to do something powerful in a person's life. You might be praying for your mom or dad's salvation or maybe a coworker to be healed of a sickness and then you prayed over them one time and nothing's changed. Have you ever thought about maybe circling that back again and saying, I'm gonna pray again and I'm gonna continue to pray until I see something, until I hear something. Paul kept praying over an issue that he had and he prayed until something happened. What happened was God told him, hey, this is my will right now in your situation for you to be in this predicament where you have this thorn in the flesh it talks about. Like he had a hardship in his life and he talked to God long enough for God to say, hey, Paul, let me tell you something. I'm doing something that that you don't even see, but right now I want this affliction to be in your life. And as soon as Paul heard from heaven that God was in that, then Paul was okay with it. But that's still praying until something happens. Like he got a word from God, like, hey, I'm in the midst of, of this difficulty. But what I have learned, and there was a book I read years ago called The Circle Maker by an author I love. His name's Mark Batterson. And what I've learned is that when you are persistent in prayer, when you draw a circle around something and you say, God, I know that you're calling me to really go to prayer over this matter. Maybe it's a, a wayward son or a daughter. Maybe it's a, it's a health issue for a relative of yours, but you're just like drawing a circle and going, you know what, God, I know that you're calling me to go to war because really what prayer is, prayer is warfare. Prayer isn't something we do just to appease God. No, God created prayer so that we have a a partnership with him so that we can unleash war from heaven upon the principalities and forces that want to wreak havoc in your life and bring destruction to other people's lives around you. Prayer is warfare. And so God wants us to have this act of prayer where we're circling things and say, man, we're going to be persistent in prayer. I love this quote. If you guys have that quote by Mark Batterson from this book, he says, prayers are sort of a prophetic overview in your life. 
They are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers become the script of your life. So what happens is when our transcripts are kind of bare, when we don't really have that effective prayer being pushed out of our life, then what happens is we really don't see any big moments of God showing up, doing supernatural things for our life. And when you live your spiritual life with enough time where you're not seeing the supernatural happen and you're not seeing prayers get answered, then it can be discouraging. It can be disappointing. And I've seen it so bad in some people's spiritual journeys that they have a tendency to just give up on the whole thing. Stop going to church. Stop reading their Bible. And just say, hey, this is all a farce. This isn't real. When in reality, they haven't really taken the necessary steps to pray effectively, earnestly, persistently in order for the breakthrough to take place in our lives. Now, as we uh, look at uh, our, uh, our time here, I'm gonna just summarize it here. What does effective prayer accomplish? Well, in the scripture that we were just talking about in James, it says that the, the sick are healed. Let me tell you, as a church, we believe in the divine healing, the supernatural healing of people's physical sicknesses. We believe that. I have already witnessed about a half a dozen miracles in our new church of people's physical healings over their sicknesses in this church. And I'm not counting the church that I was leading in Vegas or the church that I was a part of in Bakersfield. We're talking a six-month-old church. We've already experienced miracles in our church. That when you allow people to lay hands on you and pray for you, that there can be a divine healing that takes place. But you have to invite God to get involved in that space for him to be able to supernaturally heal you. And that's, that's why we invite you. If you're sick, if you're going through something physically, hey, we want to lay hands on you as the leaders, and we want to pray for you. As we close in our, in our uh, time, in our gathering today, we're going to have a response time where we're going to be worshiping. And I'm going to ask you, if you have any physical things going on in your body whatsoever, you come up here, and I believe prophetically, because we're talking about this today, that there is going to be a breakthrough for you and your health if you have the boldness and the courage to be able to come up and allow us to pray for you. I believe it. Not only do we see healing of the sick, but we see detoxing of the soul. Because here's, here's the reality about your life and about my life. We live in a broken world that attacks us. Have you felt like the world has been attacking you this week for no other reason other than you're just, you're here? But then, see, on top of that, we have the devil as followers of Jesus that, that he's after us. And so you got the world attacking us, you got the devil opposing us, and what that does is it creates things that gets kind of just lodged in our heart. And as we begin to pray and as we begin to have conversations with God, every time you're going before God, God is reaching down into your soul and he's pulling out those things that got lodged in there somehow this week. Some of those things are just bitterness, unforgiveness. It could be anger. They could be lust. They could be all kinds of things. But as you spend time with God and as you're talking to God and having, having this partnership with God, he's reaching down from heaven and he's detoxing your soul because if your soul is not healthy, you're not healthy and you're not going to be more, as effective as he wants you to be in this world if your soul is unhealthy. 
So he detoxes the soul. Thirdly, is he brings in peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by what, church? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you, you, you're just naturally prone to be anxious. You're naturally prone to be worrisome. You have a lot of fear. The antidote to this anxious heart is a prayerful spirit. As you pray and as you connect with God, what God does is he unleashes the peace that he is because it says the peace of God comes to you. Why? Because you are going to the God of peace. You know God's, one of God's name is peace. He is shalom. He is Jehovah shalom. And as you hang out with God, the God of peace starts giving you the peace of God. And so if you are just, if your heart is wound up and you got all kinds of emotions flaring up going, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm just feeling like I'm drowning, I'm telling you the antidote is prayer. Thirdly, is that it changes the circumstances. This is the power of prayer. That, I mean, I wish I had about three or four weeks to really unpack prayer more, and we will eventually get into a series of prayer, but l- let me just cover this scripture from Acts chapter 12, because the church was a praying church in the book of Acts, and I so much look at the book of Acts as, as the church that I want to belong to, and that we want to create here at Atmosphere. We want to create the same kind of church that they had in the book of Acts, and it says here that so Peter was kept in prison But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. There's that word energeo. There's that word for earnest, persistent, effective. It's right there. They were going before God on a regular basis, and they were saying to God, God, we need Peter to be set free. We need him out of prison. They're going to kill him. And guess what? If you read this whole entire passage, Peter was supernaturally set free from prison And it was a God story. And all of this happened because the church decided that, hey, we're going to pray until something happens. We're going to push through this thing until God shows up. I I heard something years ago, and it just stuck with me, and I just want to share it with you. There's those little nuggets that I've picked up through the years of hearing teachings and messages about prayer. And this one stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with you. It, It says, much prayer equals much power. Some prayer equals some power. Little prayer equals little power. And no prayer equals no power. The power of God moving through your life is directly connected to the amount that you're willing to take your life and pray and connect yourself to God. Now, as I was praying this week over this church, prophetically, I kept hearing the word awaken. And as I'm declaring this over you right now, I've just got lit up again. There is an awakening that God is wanting to do in our area. And if we're really honest with ourselves, many of us, we didn't mean to do this, but life just got busy and we got complacent and a lot of us have fallen asleep with our faith. And we don't really see God doing some cool things through our life anymore. 
We're, we're not seeing a whole lot of God stories moving in us personally or even around us. And I believe that there's an awakening that God is wanting to unleash over our community, and it begins with the church. And I was looking at the first great awakening. Do you know the church, before the great awakening happened in the 1700s, the church was complacent. The church was, was in, just enjoying a lot of the wealth of the new colonies and this new uh, found land that they were involved in. And they stopped going to church. They stopped really pressing into a relationship with God because they got comfortable. And the church leaders began to pray, and they saw a pouring out of the Spirit of God where, you know what, despite the complacency, people's souls still crave a connection to their Creator. And when they started praying, all of the levels, all of the, all of the different things that were kind of blocking a movement of God started getting torn back, and God began to move again. And I believe there's a new great awakening that God is wanting to do in our city, in our community, and I believe he wants it to start right here at Atmosphere Church. But it's predicated on whether or not you really want to pray with Energeo. If you want, if you want to pray perspiring prayers, if you, if you want to just really be persistent and go for it, because the natural becomes supernatural when the church learns to pray effective prayers. I've seen it happen before, and I believe it's, God, it's, it's God's will to happen again. And, and we just might have to do this, Jennifer. But we talked the other day about renting a van and just driving the 101 and just praying from one of our little, uh, what do you call that, the little uh, um, grades to the other grade and just start praying for a movement of God. In Vegas, we moved into this inner city area and I just felt this, this oppressive spirit over our whole area. And after I read the circle maker, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like a, a, a draw a play from Joshua's playbook in the walls of Jericho. I'm going to drive around. I'm not going to walk in this neighborhood. I'm going to drive around this, this area and I'm going to pray. And I started driving. And the first lap, I'm like, you know, I got I to gotta drive another lap. And so I drove, and I'm by myself, and I'm praying. I'm driving this whole five-mile square radius area over around our, our neighborhood. And I made seven laps around our church. And by the sixth lap, I didn't even have a voice anymore. But when I went to church the next day, this is a Saturday, I did this. Uh, it is amazing, the changes, even in the attitudes of our own church members. It was different. People that weekend came from the neighborhood more than they had ever come in other weekends prior to that. We saw three different outreach ministries get birthed within the six months of me just doing that prayer circle seven times around that area. Church, I want us to be a praying church. But more importantly, I want us to be praying men and women of God. It starts with you waking up tomorrow and saying, I have a choice to make. Am I gonna, am I gonna pray effective prayers I'm going to just get up and go through my day, bless my food, and just whatever. But to the degree that you're willing to pray effectively is the degree that you're going to enter into the supernatural and the God stories that God wants to bring into your life. 
Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.